Welcome to Write That Down, hosted by Nate Ulrich and myself, Jacob Novak. This is a podcast where two everyday creative people try to break through the noise and do creative things. This week, we have a listener-submitted topic from friend of the show, Evan Quinter. He asks us how we overcome the fear of sharing our work and how we learn to take pride in what we do. So, let's get into it. All right, Jacob. So uh, today, actually, we're going to be talking a lot about uh, fears of working with people, uh, sharing our work, and what it feels uh, to be standing up there in front of your colleagues, in front of your uh, friends, uh, showing them the stuff that you've been working on. So that's a stressful thing for many of us. Uh, it's a can be kind of scary. So what are your initial thoughts uh, on that moment of, hey, this is what I've been working on. Give me some feedback. Yeah, well, I, I think for me, it's definitely been a, kind of an anxious experience, right? Because, I mean, maybe you're just pitching something. Maybe you're presenting a final video or project or something like that. But I don't think there will ever be a time where I won't have that nagging fear of, man, I hope they don't hate this. Uh, and think less of me, like, right. especially if I'm thinking about comedy. So we were talking last week off air about producing a, a short sketch sometime soon. And even in this past week where I've been concepting and starting to write down jokes and, and script it out, it'll probably just be like two minutes. I'm like, oh man, am I just going to send this over to you and you're going to hate it or we'll upload it and everybody else will hate it? You know, I'm already getting into my own head about that. And it's also something that's kind of relevant with uh, the interview process. Uh, oh, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. You know, we, we go through as we find new jobs and things like that. It, it's always, you know, it's hard to take pride in my work. You don't want to sound too. Uh, is auspicious the word? I don't think I'm, I have no idea. Yeah. Never I, heard it. I think that's the first time I've ever used that word aloud. But. Um, yeah, just 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 being prideful in in your work, I think, is a, is a tough thing to do during interviews. So yeah, it's something that's definitely been relevant before uh, in my work, but especially relevant now. Right, right. So yeah, so you brought up a good point. So there is a um, something that a creative will experience, and usually the first time they experience it uh, is probably at an at a very early age, most likely with a parent. Uh, for a school project saying, hey, this is what I created. Uh, what do you think? And and of course, as the person who's created it, we're first and foremost looking for some affirmation, right? Uh, but what we also really need is that uh, that feedback, right? Yeah. And sometimes that feedback is difficult to hear. Uh, and so when approaching this, I mean, of course, we can go deeper into this, but when approaching this, it, it seems always important uh, to first start off with, hey, that that was a really awesome project, or hey, that that's a good start, that's a solid start, um, this is exciting. Before you jump into uh, critiques, right, uh, and and that just that can be that can yeah. be an easy way to get into that conversation. Yeah, yeah, finding the positives. Yeah, I think that's absolutely something that's important in just about anything. Really, you want to get philosophical, find the positives in life. You know, wow. an optimistic right, right, right. point but, of view. 
But the other thing is, the other thing is, is that, uh, and you, you brought this up with the, um, the, the interview process when you're, when you're interviewing and, and showing off your work and sort of pitching yourself, uh, for a job and, and, you know, the person conducting the interview or the group of people conducting the interview, they're not going to, they're most likely not going to, uh, start with a, a positive affirmation after you, you know, sort of pitch your work. Right. And so it is, it is making sure that you have the confidence in your work, the ability to back up any questions that they say, Hey, why'd you do it this way? Uh, and that's, I feel like, uh, or what a recruit, recruiter or a team is looking for is is you being able to say, hey, no, I did it this way or my group did it this way. Uh, this was produced, this was created because of these reasons. And then to back it up and, and, and state, uh, you know, all of those, the reasons why it was created a certain way and, and, and why it turned out that way. And so today I'm yeah, hoping- not, not being a, a happy accident, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And so today I'm hoping that we can sort of Talk about how important it is to to really know how to talk about your work and to feel comfortable being in that situation because it is important as a creative, especially if you're going to try to sell your work uh, or try to get a job in that field, uh, to be able to talk about yourself and your work in a positive way without sort of turtling, right? Falling <laughs> into your shell and uh, and and hoping the the uh, the recruiter or the person uh, yeah. uh, runs away, right? <laughs> Which is something that that I fall into sometimes. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Also, I mean, you were talking about the comedy stuff you're doing. I feel like that is also just as difficult because you can't try to be funny. It just has to be funny. As soon as you try right. too hard, it's not good. If you don't try enough, it's also not good. Uh, but especially with with comedies, like comedies fail if they're not funny. Or if they yeah. try too hard to be funny. So I completely yeah. understand that. Especially with something so subjective like comedy. Yeah, I mean, exactly. like Like there, exactly. there are very few comedy movies that have a high Rotten Tomatoes score. Uh, right. But even if it has a, a low, like, critic score, it might have a really high audience score. And it's just kind of a, right. you know. Right, right. To right. Just a, a different taste kind of thing. And, and so that's something that, you know, you have to keep in mind for, for comedy and for everything else is not everything right. is going to be up everybody's alley. You know, I can right. preach about right. Barry all day long, but you might not <laughs> like it. Uh, and I might take it personally, but right, you know. right, 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 right. Oh, and this brings up another thing. And, and I, I want to dive a little deeper into this, especially because I find it fascinating that you currently are uh, you're applying to specific jobs and going through the interview processes for those jobs. And I am, I'm curious on how you talk about your biggest accomplishments, primarily why men, but other creative accomplishments that, that you are in your portfolio. Uh, how do you, how do you talk about them in a context where you're not pitching yourself as a producer? Yeah. So I, I basically just kind of try to enhance both, you know, how huge the project was among being a full-time student uh, is one of the main directions I go, but I also talk about uh, versatility and adaptability mm-hmm. kind of through that mm-hmm. lens uh, and also with, you know, college as a whole um, of just, you know, whether I was a uh, uh, behind the camera for this one project or doing audio engineering and music uh, on another or writing this other project and 
any mm-hmm. obstacles that come up on set and things like that. Uh, I, I usually just try to uh, approach my projects in that way to show that I can do a little bit of everything and I'm able to learn on the spot. And while not you know explicitly saying a little bit, I try to sell myself right. a little bit more than I'm doing right now. But <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's that's uh, usually the, the direction I try to go. I'm curious to see if you think that's a bad direction to go or not. I- I don't think that's a bad direction to go. No, I just find it I find it fascinating that you have this big project, right? And uh it's not necessarily a a project that shows off your ability to do marketing or shows off your ability to do, you know, short videos or 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 uh little social media things that may be a position you're going into. Um, and yet you can still talk about all the different facets of being a, a producer of, of a student film, of all the organizational things, all of the, um, the, the being able to, the technological things, the editing things, um, time management, all these, all these other aspects of, uh, working on this big project, uh, yeah. go into, whatever job that you're interviewing for. And so this, and this ties into our to- our topic today of, you know, being able to talk about our projects and sharing our work, overcoming that fear of sharing our work. So specifically you going into an interview or you going into a, um, whatever, uh, a work, whatever, a work interview, uh, a pitch. Uh, and being a pitch. There you go. That I was, I was lost for the word. You going into <laughs> a pitch and, and you're talking about a project you did two, two years ago that, really doesn't make sense to be talking about except that it shows off your your creative capabilities yeah and it's especially tough when it might be in that interview context because there is a uh very close to zero percent chance that they did not look at that thing at all because it's 46 minutes long uh and I mean, maybe they did because, you know, they want to see who they're interviewing, but they probably didn't watch all of it. They probably just clipped around or or scrubbed through it re- really quick. Uh, and so it's it is important to at least have some kind of bearing on how to talk about what you learned uh, from that experience. And I, th- I think that that's kind of a, a good rule of thumb is is talking about how you grew from that process and what you were able to accomplish uh because i always like to highlight how how i've grown from project to project because i I think it's a good skill to have and something that shows off well but but what about you uh have you had any recent experiences like that where you were you know weary to share your work or, or any projects like that yeah, I guess I, I guess every time I go to share something, there's always a, a little bit of uh, in the, a little voice in the back of my head saying, uh oh, what if what if we did something wrong here? What if they uh, see the errors that I see? You know, because as a creative, as a videographer, as somebody who's working on a project and watching it back and editing and watching back and editing, uh, you tend to to see every little thing. <laughs> that you messed up on, right? A little, a shot that's a little overexposed or a little yeah. a shot that is a little wobbly or shaky. Uh, and, and you know that that's there and, and you're in the back of your head. Uh, there's a voice saying, ah, that person is going to pick that out right away. Right. Yeah. Um, 
and so specifically working with uh, let's let's say we're working uh, a wedding video right uh, a bride and a groom you, you think that they're going to be the most picky people ever when you show them the video so you're a little a little scared at first uh, but usually usually and most of the times they do not uh, pick out those specific uh, things because that's just the nature of of a, uh, of a creative job and a cre- creative work is that you're going to pick out your flaws uh, and so pitching that stuff and sending it over it's always a little stressful but that's part of the adrenaline rush when you get an email back saying oh my goodness this is the this is amazing right it made me cry uh, and that's yeah. worth it that it, all of that stress is, is worth uh, that response yeah yeah that, that's a good point to bring up about you know, the worrying about every little detail, because there, there are moments where if you're in premiere and working on just this one audio transition that, that you, you think you never get quite right. Uh, and you export and they're like, that's going to jump out immediately. But if, if you're not the one who was staring at a screen, working on this thing for hours on end, and it just goes right by because it's literally two milliseconds. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's important to to keep the the big picture in mind of, you know, you, you're trained to look at all of these uh, minor details, and uh, that just means that you're trying to practice as good of judgment as as possible. And not everybody is trained in that way, so it, it, it's good to take right. a step back. Uh, right, and and. I think it's important to also add that, you know, both of us, we have a little different uh, uh, view of this because we've had a college education mindset growing up. So what what I mean by the college education is that when we went to school, we did creative projects and those creative projects were sent in for feedback. They were peer reviewed uh, and then essentially graded right we weren't making any money off these projects but they were graded and therefore our entire workflow process and creative process was based around the fact that uh it was going to be critiqued to the highest amount a project can be critiqued at right (laughs) right Uh, because that's the point of learning and that's the point of of school right uh and so i think that that builds a different type of uh, maybe stress going into a project, thinking that, you know, we just got out of school. I'm in this mindset of it's going to be critiqued uh, and it's a little stressful. It, it's a little more, gives you a little more anxiety, uh, perhaps. Of course, that's individual, but for me, at least, that's my experience. Uh, I'm so used to submitting a project and knowing I'm going to get feedback on it. Uh, and of course, that's different. Yeah. Every, every time you submit a project, they're not, they're not going to grade you on it. Yeah, and and you kind of feel some of that stakes because uh, if you're working on a project for class, you know, it has that kind of context of being for a project that you'll be graded on. Uh, but then when you're working on that first project out of college, it's easy to get worried about the fact that this is, you know, going to be a product for your work, uh, and yep. it 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 there's a little bit more uh, stakes in it of, of thinking this will mean something and, and this has to do good or else I might be in right. trouble. And it's important to do well. Sorry. No, you're, 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 you're right. The, the other thing is that we're looking at the longevity of this project. Every time you complete an outstanding project, you're able to make more money. Why? 
because that project is going to be on your portfolio. That project that you completed and you did an amazing job on is going to be the first thing that shows up when you interview for another job that's going to give you a higher pay or when you're looking and pitching uh, your ideas that's the first thing that's going to come up. So every time that you create this amazing project product and you're able to sell it and you're able to say, hey, I can do this again, it's showing that you have the capabilities to make more money. Uh, and so I think that's huge. The, the longevity and the legacy of projects uh, are what allow us as creatives to, to make a living. Yeah. Which which can be a scary thing because that, that kind of just... Oh, certainly. <laughs> Uh, it takes the the creativity portion of you know I think this this will be a, a cool fun thing to do but if it doesn't do the numbers then uh, that that can be a concern uh, right for for both ends for just you creatively trying trying to make the best thing possible while also fitting the brand or whatever it is right, uh, right. but also for the brand needing to keep the brand alive um, mm-hmm. and of course this is this is uh this is a conversation based on the fact that uh, this is not necessarily hobby. We're talking about doing this work for a living. Sure. And actually making money from this work. Of course, this conversation looks a lot differently. It looks a lot different if, if, we're, if we're, you know, doing, uh, making art as a hobby mm-hmm. or as a stress releaser or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, that, that's a very good thing to, to bring up. Because I, I can also relate to that just with uh, with writing scripts like uh, mm-hmm. we we've talked about loser uh, a decent amount, but I'll just use an example use it as an example here. Uh, when I wrote the first little bit and sent it out, I was very nervous uh, mm-hmm. because this was something I was just doing in my spare time, uh, and I I wanted to see what people thought to see if it actually was funny, if people actually got a reaction out of it, uh, and it was really my my second full in earnest attempt at building my own voice as a writer uh and it's important for me to find my own identity in my writing uh and i was just worried that uh that wouldn't come across so it is something that is very uh pervasive uh both in the business of being creative and and in the hobby of being creative yeah that's important to add uh because you you were sending that script out to your friends and your family probably, and and other people who uh, you're close with, and you still in the back of your head you still had some second thoughts or doubts if if people would get a reaction out of the words that you were writing. Now, the other thing I want to get into uh, that that uh, pertains to this is when you are submitting work, or when you are pitching work, or when you are uh, showing or doing any sort of sharing of this work. What is the first thing that you say after? you've shown the work. Do, do, you, do you know what your go-to is? Because I know what some people do and I know what I used to do and I know how, uh, I know <laughs> what I used to do was, was actually horrible uh, for my own stress uh, level. Uh, are you talking about like, if I send it and be like, this is a rough draft, so, so go easy or something like that. Is that, is that kind of what you're going at? Yeah, I guess I'm more specifically looking at in person. I don't know if you've had any of these experiences. For instance, I'll just tell you what I'm talking about. For for what I used to do when I when I used to show my work, specifically in college, but but actually outside of college as well. When I would show my work, um, specifically for to my friends or to uh, other people, not not necessarily the the client, 
but uh, to other folks to give me feedback, I would immediately start with and point out all the flaws that I saw. Oh. Right, I'd say, oh, the, don't worry about this shot. It was overexposed because right at that moment the sun came out. Or, oh, don't look at don't don't look at this because the audio, the mic turned off, and I had to do a weird audio thing. I I used to immediately point out all the flaws because I interpreted their silence or their their time to process what I just made as a negative thing yeah. and that they they would know everything that I did wrong. Yeah, Def- defending before they even get a chance to say anything. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely uh done that before, which I guess is kind of a telltale sign of of the insecurity in your own work or even problems <laughs> that you already know you have to address. Uh, yeah, right. I, I think that that is a, a harsh lesson to learn of just let let the video play or just let the let them read and then see what they think. Because uh, right. because of a first impression with no details given or no expectations, I think, is way more valuable than being like, OK, here's this five minute draft, but ignore a minute and a half of it because I know it's bad. <laughs> exactly. 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 Yeah. I just, I just find it interesting to know if, if you've experienced that or if other folks have, have done that before. Uh, and if you have try not to do that because <laughs> again, people aren't going to pick out those faults. People don't see them as faults. Uh, you're being a little too hard on yourself, uh, because at, at that point after you submitted or after you've shown, if you can't fix that certain thing, that's the way the final product's going to be. Uh, and so you kind of have to live with it. During our break, we just wanted to thank everyone for their support and kind words since we started this podcast. We've been having a lot of fun putting it together, and it makes it that much better when we hear from you. And that's why we want to encourage you again to keep interacting with us through our email, askwtd at gmail.com. If you have any topic suggestions or questions for us, just send them in and we'll answer and shout you out on the show. Once again, that email is askwtd at gmail.com. Anyways, let's get back to it. Now, so as we're talking about, you know, all of these fears that we've dealt with of pre-production or showing off drafts or anything like that, interviews... I think it is important to note that, you know, the fear is valid. Uh, and in fact, it, it might be important that you are a little afraid uh, because it, it it's just a, an indicator that you care uh, about your work, right? Yes, uh, exactly. Uh, it is an indicator you care about your work. It's an indicator that you're invested in... Um the stuff that you're creating and what people think of it. Because ultimately, if you are doing this for a living, uh, you need to know what people think of it, uh, right? Because you're going to, no one's going to buy your work or or hire you if, if, if you don't produce the stuff that they need. The other thing is that it allows you to grow. That fear means that there's something still alive inside you ready to mature and ready to um, continue to strive to be better. Right. And without that fear, without that little extra push, uh, a little adrenaline rush, creativity sort of starts to die out. What, what do you think? 
Yeah, so I, this might be a bad analogy. And in, in... Jacob, this show is about bad analogies. <laughs> Let's just talk about the the swan taking yeah, off. You, yeah, That's the what swan creativity analogy, is, right? Yeah. This the, the, this show should be called Bad Analogies. <laughs> um, that should just be a whole episode. Yeah, <laughs> uh, recurring segment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'm so I'm just thinking of there's this show called Smallville, uh, that ran for 10 seasons and it is it is about uh clark kent superman becoming superman ah. starting from high school and there are several arcs throughout the show uh where clark thinks he has to lean on his kryptonian side and that's what his like ai father it was a weird cw show where his father that was like an ai in his fortress in the arctic uh wanted him to just be pure Kryptonian to like be the ruler of earth or whatever, uh, because he thought that earth, that humans were too weak or too emotional or whatever. And so Clark had to learn that that human part of him was what made him being a hero more valuable because he was able to make positive judgment calls, uh, in, in the face of danger, uh, because he knew that, human life was valuable now this is a very dramatic analogy like there's no Mm -hmm. death and destruction when you're making an ad for some tech startup uh but (laughs) i say all that to enforce the idea of uh caring just means that you're able to grow and and value the work and and see the the positives uh and any constructive constructive criticisms uh, in your work. Mm-hmm. Was that you take, bad? No, no, no. It, 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 well, yes. But <laughs> but if you are able, when you take some things to heart, it just means you're invested. And yeah. sometimes it, you have to take a breather. Sometimes you have to take a drink of water, take some deep breaths, and realize that every time you create something, everything is uh, subjective. It's always going to be the, the viewer or the reader or whatever. They're always going to have opinions. Um, and you just have to be strong with your work. I mean, yeah. I don't. I didn't come to the table here with with a, a lot of notes. I certainly, and and what I want to get to is, I didn't look up all the people who have failed at first. Uh, and I know this show isn't about failures. This is about overcoming fear and taking pride in your work. But plenty of writers, plenty of directors, producers, plenty of very um, great artists out there uh, have failed after showing some of their work. And you know what they did? They got upset, and then they got back to it a week yeah. later, the next day later, whatever, a year later. Uh, it didn't let them stop them. So uh, yeah. uh, that's I'm not here to pump people up, but it's just the truth uh, <laughs> of this sort of life that we live, uh, making things for other people to view, watch, listen, and make, yeah. make fun of. <laughs> yeah, that not caring about the work you're producing is an easy way to make it just a 6 out of 10, which is probably worse than it being a flop in Bingo. entirely. Bingo. So, again, we, we've talked about the fear, the validity of the fear, how it can be a good sign. How about overcoming that? Uh, you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that's, I knew. That, 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 that's, it it's definitely is something that, you know, you can think about and try to learn learn from, but it is such a hard thing to to do but i think i think just the idea of putting in so much work uh and care into a project is that it means that you're probably on the right track at the very least and and 
uh, there is a certain amount of pride to take in, you know, I, I spent two weeks writing this script or, or editing this video or writing this music, uh, and it might not be perfect, but have being able to, to put forth so many work, whether it is in the, in the business or in the hobby, uh, it's, it's good to acknowledge that all of the work that you've put in. It's an accomplishment in itself, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. If only the world was nice and the people exactly. in it were nice all the time. Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> I think wow. about that a lot. You know what I <laughs> yeah. think about is huh. I was just thinking about this the other day. I feel like the world would be at least uh like forty percent better if every human was required to watch Paddington and Paddington 2. Oh, I thought you were going to say if the internet didn't exist, but I can oh, well, think yeah. of plenty of opportunity uh, of plenty of times before the internet, not while I was alive, but uh, just <laughs> history books that, that show that the internet didn't make us all bad. So yeah, <laughs> there uh, were bad people yes. before the internet too. There certainly were bad people before the internet. They just didn't have uh, an outlet as large as the internet. I'm not going to go there. Uh, for me, what do I do to overcome that fear? Well, I already told you in the beginning that I I look at the the past times that I have uh, showed my work. I looked at things that I did, such as you know immediately defending my work as soon as I did it, and I I started to. Uh, reflect on how I carried myself in the words that I said during the presentation or during the pitch or during the sharing uh, and learned that it is okay to be afraid. It is not okay to let that fear take over your creative ability. As soon as that fear incapacitates you, you've failed yourself and you've failed the future projects that you're you're going to miss out on because you let that fear win. So again, this isn't my pump up speech, <laughs> but we obviously don't have answers for you. We have things that we have tried that have kind of worked for us. And the next time we pitch, we're st- pitch an idea. We're still going to have some fear that we're going to have to overcome. Yeah. Right. That's just the nature of it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a really, subjective and just case by case basis of of just knowing yourself and how you respond to internal and external motivators like i i just thought of i have on my cork board uh my off mentioned cork cork board uh <laughs> i have a just a post it note that just says it's okay to not know uh because i just need to remind myself like we've talked about you know in interviews it's a it's good to know the reasons of why you do things but if you're in the middle of a project and trying to figure things out it's okay to not have the answers to everything uh right you know that might be what you're working toward but just give give yourself a break uh mm-hmm. and uh I, I think that's that's part definitely a good thing to keep in mind for everybody um right and another thing i, w- I was thinking of is uh i've also just tried to and this is a personal thing, and maybe you, you, you might disagree, but uh-huh. uh, in sharing my work, if it's like a half-finished script or video or something like that, I try uh-huh. to give updates less uh, to people who are in the know, uh, just so that I can feel like I have made an accomplishment or accomplished more since the last time I sent you uh, pages for the script or something like, like that or sent you a draft. Uh 
because if you're constantly sending updates on, okay, I wrote this line, what do you think about this? Or uh, what do you think about this change I might make? Uh, I think it's good to just, uh, you know, keep it within yourself and, and try to, to build a, a version of a product that you are comfortable sharing out uh, with people um, right. instead of just the, the constant uh, seeking of validation. Right. Yeah, I guess it, it depends on the type of project uh, that you're doing. So, for instance, uh, what, what you're doing, you're writing. I guess for now we can say you're, it, it is sort of a hobby. You're writing a script for something, right? Because you're not getting paid for it. Right. Versus sort of the my lens that I'm looking through, which is I'm creating a marketing video. How much do I do before I send for feedback? And I guess that falls right along the same line is I'm not going to send anything until I have a draft. And a draft means that there's a start, uh, a middle, and then potentially an end. Of course, all, all parts of that video could change. But you're right. I, I'm not going to send back every edit that I make. I'm going to make a draft, uh, and then I'm going to look at it the next day and re-edit. And then maybe I'll send draft number three over to the client. Uh, and of course, it's all going to be based on how much time we have and, and, and stuff like that and how many drafts we decided on uh, that that we would be uh, compensated for. But you're right. I mean, it it's important that you you take time to look at your own work and not uh, not ask for feedback at every second. So how do you take pride in your work? And how did you learn to take pride in your work? Well, it's it's an ongoing process, right? Uh, uh, we, we keep bringing up that it, it's something that's going to be pers- pervasive throughout our creative lives. But yeah, part of it is is just being able to take a step back and look at, at the broader picture uh, of seeing how far I came from point A to where I am now, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, being able to, to acknowledge my work uh, and also also revisiting old things. Like when I rewatched Why Men for our episode on it, uh, for episode uh-huh. 10, for the first time probably since around when it came out. And I genuinely laughed at some parts and I was like, is that conceited of me? <laughs> but, but I was like, no, I think it's fine to to like something that you did. And I think that's part of it is just being able to uh, revisit things and and learn not to have the like trying to shield your eyes because you're so embarrassed. You know, it, right. it's, it's learning to uh, accept things as they are and and uh take the the good and learn mm-hmm. from the bad mm-hmm. yeah i i mean i i'm trying to think if i have anything to add but no you you hit the nail on the head with that yeah loving yourself loving yourself and loving your work yeah self-care self-care all right well well hopefully you know we don't always have all the answers but hopefully you learned something about how to learn uh or, or you just learned about how we do things <laughs> right. which is completely fine this isn't a podcast for answers. It's a podcast for two blubbering dudes blubbering their way. See, I'm using the word blubber wrong because that's like whale fat. We're blubbering our way through yeah. through a podcast, yeah. uh, but we love it. We love it. All right, Nate. Uh, what do you have for definitely not procrastinating this week? All right. So this is going to be a good one, Jacob. Okay. Okay. This one does not involve any medium How- other than... Other than my dog. Oh, well, that's 
you got me already. There you go. There you go. So there is a dog park in the uh, town that I live in. And Mopsy, my golden retriever. So cute. Gets very, yes, very excited. She's a year and a couple months old. She gets very excited when we say the word dog park. (laughs) And so my definitely not procrastinating is Mopsy time at the dog park. I'm a proud (laughs) dog parent and, uh, you know, stepping away from all my work, stepping away from my phone, stepping away from screens, stepping away from any sort of media, anything, and just taking the dog to the park and just seeing these animals just go at it and run and be free is so uplifting. Like it is, it is, does so many good things for your heart and your mind. And no longer are you worrying about anything because you just see 20 dogs running around and wrestling and and just having a good time. And uh, every care just sort of slips away for that time being. And then of course, Mopsy, she's golden. She's, she's, uh, she likes to drink a lot of water. Uh, and so she has to take water breaks and, and then she <laughs> reminds me that it's time for dinner or something and she'll come over and bite the leash and, and then it'll be time to go. Uh, because of course these, these moments of blissfulness are a little ephemeral. They, they come and they go and, uh, and that's what it is. Look at yeah. you with the use of ephemeral. Dude, let me tell you, you've been pulling out all these hard words and I just said blubber. <laughs> and so now I have to redeem myself. So hopefully listeners listen all the way through past the blubber moment. Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, you've sent you send our, our old house group chat Snapchats uh-huh. of uh, oh, yeah. of Mopsy. And I was going to oh, say yeah. when he sent us the latest one. Like, I, there needs to be a word for the pain you feel when you see a picture of a dog, but you can't pet that dog. But you can't pet that dog. It yep. is every time, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's a good one. One day we'll meet and I'll steal Mopsy away from you. Ooh, that's okay. You can feed her. You can clean up her poop. <laughs> All right. Uh, so for me, uh, I want to talk about a podcast. I've actually been listening to it for a while, but it's something I've... I've been thinking about more and more recently. So there's this podcast called Review Review, uh, and that is R-E-V-I-E-W Review, and then R-E-V-U-E Review, uh, uh-huh. like a show. And so it is hosted by Jeffrey James and Riley Anspaugh, who are two actors, uh, writers, what have you, uh, who got their start working with uh, Jake and Amir, who used to do web uh, comedy stuff and and writing and things like that, but now they have a podcast network. Uh, uh-huh. But basically, what this podcast is, so they'll look at Yelp reviews or Amazon reviews or whatever for all of these different products or places. Like just looking at at their uh, feed right now, they had an episode on children's hairdressers, uh, an episode about Dave and Buster's uh, wineries, the Eiffel Tower. Uh, things like that. And so they'll read these reviews uh, that they just think are interesting or funny, and then they'll come up with a quick improv scene uh, about it. Uh, And it is so funny because they find the craziest and dumbest reviews on the planet, and then they just, on the fly, come up with with these random scenes, and it's a really fun listen. Uh, So Mm -hmm. review, review. Hosted by Jeffrey James and Riley Anspaugh, I, I highly recommend it. Nice. Okay, I'll definitely have to to look at that. Look at look that up. Write that down. Write that down. 
All right. Also, I want to add to, sorry to detract from your, you're definitely not procrastinating, but uh, I looked up dog park near me just because it was on my, my mind just now. And it said, the first question was, is it weird to go to a dog park without a dog? <laughs> and the answer, the answer underneath it is yes, it is weird to go to a dog park if you don't have a dog. <laughs> and then the rest of it, I didn't really care. I just thought it was funny uh, because I think in some situations, if you need that time to just watch these animals play, just go do it. Go do it. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun. It's uplifting. If you don't have a dog, just it's uplifting. And just stand yeah. outside of the thing and just watch them have have a good time. And don't look at your phone and just have a good time. It's <laughs> it's a fun time. And you know what? I, I was thinking maybe they should make a cat park, but then I realized that probably would not be good. They would take over the world and uh, we would all be doomed. <laughs> there probably are cat parks, right? You think so? I don't know. Maybe it's more like aren't cat cafes a thing? Where it's just a cafe with a bunch of cats around. Maybe that's the the equivalent because cats won't really do anything in a park. <laughs> that's that's true. Like that's the, true. they'll cafe. just sit around. Yeah. All right, cool. Nate. Uh, All right, Jacob. No, oh. I call it. Okay. I call it. All right, Jacob. <laughs> All right, Jacob. Where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jacob Yesvac. Wow. Did that feel good? It did feel good. I almost forgot, but it it feels good. And how about you, Nate? Uh, on Twitter at Nate Ulrich 16 please tweet us uh, no one ever ever tweets me uh, <laughs> that's probably for good reason I don't respond usually <laughs> <laughs> just kidding I'll, I'll, I'll respond if it's good enough yeah absolutely and if you ever want Jacob to talk about soccer with me Jacob doesn't even tweet me yeah I, I usually retweet pictures uh, photography and Jacob's always yelling about soccer or something and I know he's yelling because he's using all caps so. <laughs> thanks for listening write that down is produced by Nate Ulrich and Jacob Novak Music for this podcast includes Answered by Ketza and Dream 13 by Punch Deck. You can find links to both artists in the description for this episode. If you'd like to be a part of the show, you can email your questions or topic suggestions to askwtd at gmail.com. Once again, that's askwtd at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.